And I flew to Mexico with Carl Edwards flying his jet, me sitting next to him. And this guy, he was like, if you want to do something in NASCAR, you have to do it yourself. You have to talk, you have to talk to people, you have to propose something, you have to come up with written stuff. And he just pumped me on so much, and that's what I did. Welcome to another episode of Latart on Location. I'm your host, Steve Latart. And folks, when you spent more than 20 years of your life traveling the road, first as a NASCAR crew chief, and now as an analyst for NBC, you're bound to meet some interesting characters along the way. The goal of Latart on Location is to bring you closer to some of the personalities I've connected with. And pre-2020, it was going to happen in some cool locations. Unfortunately, in 2020, we're still locked down. So as we have all year long, I'm at my home in Cornelius, North Carolina, and I couldn't be more excited about my guest today, who's down in Miami, Florida. Our guest today, who I've actually never met in person, so this is going to be a, uh, a good challenge for my podcasting skills. He is an Emmy Award-winning TV host and reporter for Telemundo. The list of accomplishments are long. He's covered everything from the World Cup to the Olympics to NASCAR. We're going to go through it all. Omar... Amador. First of all, how did I do with my pronunciation? I didn't mess it up, did I? Kudos, man. You killed it. It was great. All right. All great. Omar, I'm excited. Um, as some who may or may not know, it's Hispanic Heritage Month, which goes from the middle of September to the middle of October. Uh, and I thought it was a great opportunity for me personally in 2020. I'm trying to make it a personal kind of challenge to learn. It's a year of learning. Whatever that may be, whatever the topic may be, it could be anything. And this is my chance to learn about you. Uh, and perhaps learn a little bit um, through the Hispanic Heritage Month. I'm excited. Thanks for joining me, man. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for having me. I'm super pumped to, to talk to you finally. And, and believe it or not, I think we've met before. It's been one of those one track shaking hands real quick and moving forward. Maybe I push my producer to say, hey, I want to say hi to this guy. I and, love it. And, and I love it. So, so yeah, it, it's an honor to be with you, man. An honor. So it's great stuff. So, so Omar, there's so much stuff to cover, but let, let's jump right into um, you have something I don't. You're an Emmy Award winner. Uh, I've never been fortunate enough to call myself that. You have done a sports Emmy. That's spectacular. And from what I understand, it was from the World Cup coverage. Yes. Well, so what happened was um, we have a tremendous coverage of the, of the World Cup during uh, Russia. And I was part of the team that was covering – uh, pretty much the the color, the life of, of, of the World Cup here in the United States. So my mission was to travel around the cities of, of the United States and party with people and enjoy how they enjoy the games. Uh, so my Miami was uh, through a collective effort. Uh, I was the associate producer and talent of that segment. So yeah, I, I, can, I can say I got an Emmy. <laughs> well, let, let me go ahead and go on record to say that if you ever need some more talent to go across the country and party with some fans while they're watching the World Cup, I'm going to throw my name in the ring right now because not only do I love covering sports, but I have a dang good time now. If you want to drink a few beers and watch some sporting events, I'm your guy. Hey, my man, I'm telling you, this is what it's all about. If, if you can't enjoy sports with that kind of mentality, there's an issue. I've always had this type of trouble with people that they see sports and then they go too serious about it when they're enjoying it. I mean, it's an entertainment form. Um, I, I remember Jurgen Klopp saying, uh, Liverpool co uh, head coach saying, it's just football, you know? 
and we can go in deep, we can analyze, we can go and get all excited and, and hyped up about what you believe and what I believe. But at the end of the day, it's either cars in a racetrack or a ball getting kicked to a hoop and to, to, a, to a, a goalie. So it's, it's simple. It's, it's meant to be enjoyable. Yeah, I, my boss tells me all the time, he said, it's not brain surgery. Let's just all sit around, act like we're having a beer and cover a race. Uh, I want to talk about your coverage. So I want to get smarter about Telemundo. I'm aware of the network. It's, it's growing phenomenally. So when you talk about your coverage, talk about your audience. Is this an international audience? Is this a Hispanic audience within the U.S.? Where's your broadcast market? All right. So our market is Hispanics in the United States. We are um, among the biggest uh, Hispanic networks in the nation. And second, sometimes first, sometimes um, in terms of ratings. Because uh, we have our competition, Univision, and our main coverage is uh, to the Spanish-speaking population of the United States. That being said, uh, there's a ton of effort now uh, through Peacock and through other things that our, sister, our mother company, NBC, is, is putting into our table. And we are working with the Latinx community a lot more. Latinx meaning people that, like me, that we, you know, we speak Spanish, we are born and raised in other countries, but we have assimilated or that we were born here from Hispanic families and we speak the language of English. So that is, that is something that Telemundo is, is going for. We have in our, in our um, network, we have uh, Premier League, we have Chivas, which is a Mexican, uh, humongous Mexican franchise in, in, uh, in soccer. Um, and we have Olympics, we have pretty much a lot of the things that you guys at NBC Sports cover, we cover it tailored to that audience, to those audiences. Um, me personally, when I started with NASCAR, it was funny, man, because I, I used to work in a show five, like seven or eight years ago. I used to work in a show called Ritmo Deportivo, which what we did and envy me again was travel around the world, finding exciting locations and covering the sports and adventure angle of those locations. So I ended up at a Daytona 500 Back in 2014, if I'm not wrong, when good year, good year. If yeah. you were there for 14, that was a good year. Yes, I, be, I believe when Pablo Montoya was still driving for Chip Ganassi and Felix Sabates at that point. So we, I, I fell in love with it. I, I have heard of NASCAR a lot. I grew up in a car enthusiast family. My grandfather was the owner of a, of a gas station. My dad was into racing and, and so forth. But I was never a, a race car junkie. But that year, I was like, wow, this is impressive. This is a multi-sensorial experience. This is a show that is not fair what we hear when we say it's only turning left. I was furious every time that everybody said, somebody said that. So I started growing, and, um, and I knew, you know how it works in networks. There's always hallway gossips, right? There's oh, always yeah. a there's always a gossip running around. So I heard that Telemundo was working attached to a contract that NBC had renewed with NASCAR. And I was, wow, this is a good opportunity. What are we going to do? So I started finding information and I said, you know what? I told my wife, I said, I'm going to prepare myself. I am going to get ready for this. I am going to absorb it more as a student than as an expert because I really wasn't an expert. I, I was a student of the sport. So I went to my boss, uh, long story short, one day, and I said, sir, I'm ready. I can call this racist. And he was like, what do you know about NASCAR? And I said, well, I know there is, I know what needs to be known now. And I got people that can help me. 
while I was covering the races and going to races just to, to learn, I met this gentleman by the name of Carlos Contreras, um, which you happen to know perfectly who he is. And yes. I had, a, and I had a, an interview with him. And after I finished the interview, I said, man, we should do something together. You have the grace. You have the white hair. I have the eagerness, the youth factor. Let's do something together. So I went and I pitched to Telemundo the option of having Carlos Contreras as my co-host for the NASCAR uh, coverage that we were going to do. And we started doing the NASCAR Mexico series. I, they, they were so, so nice with me. And they said, you know what? Let's do that series. Why I wanted to do that series? Well, first of all, it service our community. It's the first thing. But the second thing is, it's the only place in Latin America where, in Latin America, where a sanctioned season has the name of NASCAR attached. Right. Completely. And it's in Spanish, and we can associate with the names. So they said yes, and we covered uh, that entire season, and I was calling races. Um, how did I do in the beginning? I don't know, man. I my 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 <laughs> my first season, my first race, believe it or not, was in Phoenix, Arizona, and it was the final of the previous season, yeah. right? Like a test to see if the show will work. And I was sitting next to Herman Quiroga, which, by the way, you know Herman, right? I, I know the name. Never had a chance so, to spend much time, but yes. Herman Quiroga was the guy that was knocking on doors around NASCAR to be the first full-time Mexican or Hispanic driver at the cup level. But he was five-time Mexico Series champion. Right. So this guy is an outstanding driver. So we, I had him there, and I had uh, Jesse Lozada with me. And I remember two executives of the, of the company were inside of the booth, and I tell the boss, I says, what are you guys are doing here? And I said, and they said to me, well, we're here because we want to know what the ah, you know about NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I started shivering. I got nervous. But guess what? It was natural. Once the green flag came up, I was like, verde, 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 quita, quita, verde, here we go. And we started calling the race. And, and, and it, was, it was so much fun, right? NASCAR got a hold of me. They heard about me. They started calling and saying, we want to do this with Omar for the Hispanic market, so forth and so forth. And then guess what? Mr. Carl Edwards shows into the picture. And that one you know very well. Yes. And, and Mr. Carl Edwards invited me to fly with him to Mexico because they were presenting the new alliance that they were having between Aristel Cell yep. and new partnership they had. And then he says, okay, so but what we want you to go to Missouri. He's from up there, right? So they send us to Missouri, me and a cameraman. I'm like, why are we going to Missouri? I could just land in Benito Juarez, Mexico, and we're good. No, because we showed up there. A car was waiting for us at the airport, and they took us to a regional airport. So they drove us to that regional airport and Randy Fuller, his PR, shows up. I know Randy because I've worked with Carl a couple of times before. Mm -hmm. I said, Randy, what's going on? I says, Carl is about to show up in a minute. Sure enough, I look outside the runway 
and I see a single engine aircraft landing into the strip. Lands, I'm, I'm a huge aviation fan. So Carl Edwards shows up out of that aircraft and I said, man, what are we doing here? All of a sudden they open this humongous hangar. A CJ-7 opens up and he goes, we're going to Mexico. And I go, okay, well, this is odd. I thought I was being kidnapped, but all right, let's, you know, let's go. Right. When, he's, when he starts doing the pre-flight, I freaked out because I knew he was a pilot, but I didn't know he was, you know, he, he was the pilot of that thing. Yeah, like, can I see your rating? Can I, can I just check your papers real quick before you take off with you behind the wheel of this thing? I was about to, you know, I wasn't going to do that, but then he says, sit, ne sit next to me in the right seat. And I flew to Mexico with Carl Edwards flying his jet, me sitting next to him, and this guy, he was like, if you want to do something in NASCAR, you have to do it yourself. You have, to talk, you have to talk to people. You have to propose something. You have to come up with written stuff. And he just pumped me on so much, and that's what I did. Next year, Hispanicide, which is a humongous event here in Florida for influencers, comes, to, come, comes up. And I told my, my agent, I said, I'm going to make a presentation to NASCAR because I want to be a NASCAR ambassador. Mm -hmm. I, I, I wanted to do for the Hispanic market what Rutledge Wood was doing for, right. for the Anglo community, you know? Yes. So... I went over there and I met with Johanna Santana at that moment, Gloria Molina, and I presented what I what I wanted and what I thought and envisioned. And Edwin Gotai, the director of marketing for the Hispanic uh, mar uh, markets, loved it. And he says, yeah, man, we want to do it. And I started working with NASCAR Latino and the NASCAR Latino series started to happen. Then they started integrating influencers. They started integrating a lot of other things into the equation. But that's how I ended up being in front of Steve Phelps. This is how I ended up hosting for three years in a row the NASCAR Drive for Diversity Awards. That's that's how everything started. Then, it, you yeah. know, it's amazing. Just the Hispanic community in general and its association with NASCAR. You know, there's so many different names. Uh, you mentioned Eris, right? So Carlos Slim is the guy, from what I understand, kind of above controlling uh, perhaps the marketing budgets of some of these companies that have invested into the sport. Uh, when we go to, I, I say every racetrack, but without a doubt, uh, you know, L.A., Phoenix, the Miami race, certain markets, Daytona, we see just a huge Texas. We see a huge outpouring of Hispanic fans when it comes to NASCAR. And I love it. because, And you know what I love? It reminds me of soccer. And that's why it's funny we're going back because I think that fan base is so passionate. Like you don't have to walk up and say, who are you cheering for today? No, 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 no. Like you could tell on the walk over, and you could be like, oh, oh, Jimmy Johnson fans. Oh, look at this, Dale Jr. fans. You know, Daniel Suarez fans. Like there's this, there's this, uh, just this melting pot of fans, and it's so clear. And that's what I love about sports. You know, sports is the opportunity for all of us to healthy disagree. You know, everything else in the world has become just so, um, just such a hotbed of conversation. It's hard to have completely disagreeing opinions healthy, right? Like whatever they may be. But when it comes to sports, you can like whatever. You can like X and I can like Y and I can think you are totally wrong and it's totally acceptable. And it, it's just a great place to meet people. Uh, and, and that's why I love it. It, it, it truly is a, uh, man, it's, it's so much fun. That's what I love about being at the races. I mean, that's what I miss in 2020. You know, something funny about what you said is like, I can like X 
and I can like why. So I can like the Miami Heat, which I think it will be they will be the next NBA champions. And you can say, hell no, it's going to be the Lakers. But at the end of the day, you know what what each other like is basketball. Right. So we have a point of equalization. It's a, sports are the greater the greatest equalizers in the world. And we need to continue treating that. And we need to continue treating sports as an agent of change. That is why I was so excited and I am so excited to be involved with NASCAR because everybody says, oh, well, this sport is being dominated and only worked for the, for the American community or the, or the whites in the United States. But that's just, it's, it's a stigma at the end of the day because this, that's associated to cultural regional backgrounds not necessarily to the sport right you know the right. first the first day i met pedro martinez which is a rear tire changer uh at the cop level who is as mexican as it gets like boots and the whole belt and the whole thing i was like bro i just found a diamond in this track uh, like i met him at bristol motor speedway one day and the spanish screaming across the paddock was incredible it was like Que pasa, mi amigo? What's up, my brother? And everybody's looking at us like, oh, but don't fool yourself. We love NASCAR too. Right. You know? Right. We, and, and that's something that is cool. The Mexico series taught me a lot, a lot, because over there they work. The conditions of, of, of doing motorsports in Mexico are tough. They're, they're, they truly are sometimes. And, and the, the resources the drivers have are tough and they make it happen and they put a show. You know, so to discard the Hispanic community or the African-American community from the conversation of NASCAR is absurd to me. Absurd. You can't. It's impossible to do that. And if you go to other motorsports. Yeah. So when I look at 2020, I've never been more proud to be part of NASCAR for some of the changes that Steve Phelps and the organization has done to make it as inclusive as possible. That's continued on. Um, so, so first, I want to say that happened a long time ago. Uh, I don't think sometimes people realize the amount of work with the drive for diversity, as you mentioned, you've hosted the banquet. You know, there was a, a conservative because I believe um, I want to believe in my heart that, that what we see currently on the racetrack is a result of the opportunity that everyone has had. And I feel NASCAR, me specifically, you, all of us that have been able to make a living in the sport, we owe the opportunity to others. For that opportunity, whatever it may be, local go-kart track, going to speak to uh, youth at a public school, whatever it may be, knowledge, uh, opening up their eyes that, hey, this motorsport thing exists. You know, the more people that learn about it, the more people can take part in it. I'm proud of the movement that NASCAR itself has made, but I think I couldn't even be more proud about the, I mean, listen, this is the, the shot heard around the world, right? Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan. Anytime you put Michael Jordan's name in anything, it is, it is, you know, definitely in the U.S., perhaps globally, one of a single-handed, most recognizable athletes in the world. I mean, he's Michael Jordan. He's MJ. Forget about, forget about athletes. Names. Right. You, you, you could say Dalai Lama and Michael Jordan. Right. And boop. So, so I'm a big level. believer. I wanted to get your thought of this because what I love about MJ coming in is twofold. The first, I think, is the obvious, which is Lissus. His name, his branding, his belief in the sport should hopefully spill over into other um, – for, for anyone, any company, any corporation, I hope it builds the sport. But another side to this is that we're going to have a minority owner with a minority driver 
that I believe have finally put in position the finances to get good equipment, to give Bubba Wallace what he needs to go showcase his talent. Look, I was a crew chief. My job was to provide a car for my driver to showcase his talent. Well, that's really what it is, right? I mean, driver's gear, crew's this, right? That's what I think this is going to do. So I'd like to get your opinion on that. And then is there any way we can ever predict the downstream effects of this over the next 10 years? I, I, think, it's, I think it's impossible to guess where the waves of this announcement could possibly land. First thing is, don't overdo. He's been hovering around NASCAR forever. <laughs> Ever. You know testing this. Water. He's testing the sea and the temp. He tested in Moto, G, uh, uh, Moto America, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, Moto GP at Valencia. He made laps on the motorcycle. He tested at NHRA. He put some money in some teams behind the scenes in NHRA. So he's been dipping his toes into this for a long time. The relationship with Danny Hamlin has been there forever because who, who else wears a Michael Jordan fire suit in the track for so right. long? So this is not a coincidence. Everything that is on a, on a Nomex from a driver perspective is important and it has a message to send. So right. this has been there forever. Now, why this is so huge? Because, you know, the, 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 in the predicament we are right now in terms of the social conversation and the, and the rhetoric we're leaving around the country, this guy is saying, listen, I am the GOAT. I am known. I am the first dude that kicks everybody's butts in terms of marketing because forget about the court. His marketing strategies were incredible and he was crucial to a lot of the decisions that Nike took in the beginning of the relationship with, with the creation of the Jordan brand. <clears throat> but the most important thing is I think that NASCAR for the first time will see a sack of money from a minority owner. They're not here to lose. They're not here to have a name. And by all means, my respects to Mr. Felix Sabates, which I love. He's a good oh, I love dude. Felix. Felix is one of my favorite people in the garage. He's incredible. I mean, he's every time he saw me, he will give me a hug like if he knew me from ever. His brother is good people. His wife is good people. But Michael is going to bring the it factor of capabilities, right. finances. The selection of Baba Wallace in terms of picking a driver, you know what? People might have different opinions on how talented he is or how good he is, but it works for this structure. What's going to happen after is that a lot of people that wanted to disassociate from NASCAR, that wanted to go away from NASCAR because of whatever, Confederate flags, association with Southern racism or whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to call it, will say, yo, hold on. That MJ is involved with this. The guy that changed the perspective of how we see the sport of basketball is involved in NASCAR, a sport that requires that is in desperate need of emerging market approach. We are NASCAR wants that. Now, two years, like three, three years ago, I was around a B2B symposium, one of those symposiums at nascar you've been in those right oh yeah so, yeah yeah I'm walking around. i didn't even know what a symposium was i got you oh yeah i got invited to the symposium let me write that symposium, symposium. so right. i'm walking around and every single manager or director from companies 
all they were asking is, what are you doing for minority markets? What are you doing for the Hispanic market? What are you doing for the black community? What are you? So these people are going to jump on board with Michael because why not jump on board? With right. Now, right. competitive side, which is the third point that I wanted to brought up. Ain't no loser. That's the thing. He's not going to be okay with being average, right? He's going to, he, he, I think self-admittedly, he's going to say, okay, look, I know we're over my ski tips. I don't know about cars in a circle and NASCAR and aerodynamics, but I know about winning and I know about business and I know about marketing. So I have Danny Hamlin, this guy over here, who's a winner and he's going to be surrounded with other winners. And he's going to say, he's going to know the right questions to ask. He may not know the answers, but he can say, how, how do we get X? I see we need X. How do we do that? So I, I listen, I totally agree talking with Omar Amador, contributor for Telemundo, TV host, reporter, covers all the this, all this sports under the sun. We could cover them all, talking about NASCAR, talking about the Michael Jordan thing. You know, Omar, this is an opportunity for me, and this is what I told my children. I have a 16-year-old son, and I believe this to my heart. I believe NASCAR and Steve Phelps made some very tough decisions over the last year, and I think they made the decisions with humanity and morality in mind. Not business, not fan base, not dollars and cents. And I, and I think those directly allowed this announcement to happen, in my opinion. Well, maybe not completely allowed it, but definitely opened the opportunity, right? I'm not saying it couldn't have happened without the announcements, but the, I think the decisions they have made with the direction of the sport and the inclusivity that they've, they, they've focused on has allowed this to be an easier announcement, an easier gateway for Michael Jordan. So I use this opportunity for my children to explain to them that that's really what we need to do a better job of, right? Humanity and morality needs to be like the contributing factor uh, for a lot of very important people in the world who have to make powerful decisions. So I was proud of the leadership of Steve Phelps and NASCAR. You mentioned years ago, right? You, you, they had this concerted effort to try to broadcast to the Hispanic community, to so many different areas. So listen, I'm excited. I love where it's going. Uh, so, so let's talk I'm here and now. I know you're a NASCAR fan. All right, well, well come on, give me your analysis. We got Talladega this weekend. We're down to 12 drivers. You've seen it. Denny Hamlin's hot. Kevin Harvick's hot. Who's the guy? Come on, top shelf. Give me the pick. Who's the champion? Okay. If I go to paper, I will say Kevin Harvick is in a row. He's hot, hot, hot as he gets. As he gets. That being said, if you go to the list of victories, of winners during this season, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Young blood drivers with wins. Yep. And at the end of the day, you could be 32 points behind, like Austin Dillon is right now, and it can come and shake you up on a super speedway, which it could happen. First thing. Second thing, you don't know if they're carrying speed or not anymore because you got no practice. So you can you as a crew chief understand you can't accommodate to what the other people are doing. But if you're seeing practice, you say, ah, oh, this dog's got nothing. This guy got nothing. But now you can't see that. What we saw last race was a lot of adjustments on the run that worked for some people. Look at Joey Logano. Yep. He, he was behind a lap and then he ended up salvaging what? Four to stay four points away. And give him a hard time to Kyle Busch, you know it's it, you, it, and and that com that's coming from the past race too. Oh yeah, you know. So I, I I would tell you my honest pick 
who I would like to see winning this championship is Danny Hamlin, because I, I am biased. I want to see him win, make a lot of explosions, stand next to Michael Jordan, thank you, let's start this huge project or whatever. But, but, man, these kids are poking people back. They're doing damage. I remember two years ago, we were speaking about, you know, the, the, the young bloods, right? And we were speaking about the young bloods in a sense of, oh, watch out. These guys are coming up. Watch out. Well, they're not coming up. They're up. Yeah, they're here. They're, they're, here. they're, they're eager. They want this. They're not. And, and, and something funny is that you, you see that it's not that they're disrespectful, but it's cool to be disrespectful on the track sometimes. Oh, yeah. So Joey Logano said it the best. Joey Logano was questioned. He said he had no friends, and he told us last week when we talked to him about that, he goes, you know, Steve, I'm going to tell you something. I have lots of friends. None are at the racetrack. On the racetrack, those are business associates, business relationships. And I was like, I've never heard it put it better. He's like, some of them are friendly, some aren't friendly, but even the friendly ones are business relationships. He goes, they're not my friends. They're not the ones that are going to pick me up when I'm having a bad day. That's not what their jobs are. Their jobs are to go beat me. My jobs are to go beat them. And in the end, I think that's why we love NASCAR as a competition. Do we remember what happened when Jimmy Johnson won his seventh championship? Right. Se second to last restart. Joey Logano against uh, Carl Edwards. Carl Edwards yep. had the position, intentions, <laughs> put him in the wall, drives away, and guess what? Well, Carl could have not been Carl and get pissed. I was calling that race. I got pissed. <laughs> Because there was there was no need for that. They, right. they could go out to the first corner and keep on going and then work it out on the straight or whatever. No, it's aggression because it needs to happen like that. But guess what? Carl went and says, you know, it's all racing or whatever. What I don't what I'm not liking so much is when drivers go over there and use as an excuse to batch their team. You know, I'm not gonna mention names or whatever, but I, yeah. I, I don't I don't like that. I, I think the, the concert effort of a NASCAR team is so important that it's like a fraternity, you know, You're my, it's like soldiers. I don't leave you behind. I don't talk trash about you. And when we lock the door in our locker room, then we beat each other. That's right. it. That's but, right. That's right. Behind closed doors. So my pick for this season, I think it's Danny Hamlin, but watch out with the young bloods, man. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the, the youth movement is here, uh, and I'm excited because there's another wave right behind them with the rookies we have this year. The Xfinity Series yeah. is great. Uh, talking yeah. to Omar Amador. Omar, all right, so we talked a lot about NASCAR, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you all know, so I'm jealous, very jealous. When I was looking at your resume, looking at what you've accomplished, I've never been able to cover the Olympics. So it's a bucket list item. I work for NBC, but, you know, summer Olympics happen in the race season, right? So we're busy. Uh, I keep pushing my bosses. Maybe I could talk them into, I want to do Winter Olympics with Lee Diffie, maybe do some bobsled or some luge. You know, the bobsled has some aerodynamics that came from racing. I think I could get into that. Uh, the Olympics, as everyone knows publicly, were have, had to be canceled because of coronavirus in 2020. They're supposed to go on a year from now. The question I have for you is, we talk about World Cup being just a melting pot, right? And, and soccer is so huge, but the Olympics are like almost a whole nother level, right? There's so many events, so much. For me, um, it's that moment in time where I'm telling you, I will go to CNBC and I will watch handball. I will watch every obscure sport in the world because it, it's this patriotic, like, I, because I have a favorite. I don't know their names, but that's the American team and they're my favorite and I'm gonna cheer them on. And that's what the Olympics are all about. You got to cover them. 
tell me how awesome the Olympics are. I, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's one of, it's, I think it's the greatest experience I've ever lived in my, in my career. Um, because that and seeing Daniel Suarez win the, winning the Xfinity Series Championship in 2016, and I'll go to that later, but yeah, the, the, the Olympics were impressive. I remember when I, we arrived in, in Rio, which was the one that I covered physically. Prior to that, I was on the studio doing uh, London, and I did beach volleyball, and, and I did some play-by-play -play stuff over there. But when I got to Brazil, and I see this, everything was prepared for this. Like, the roads were marked for Olympic buses. Everything was just leading up to get to the IBC. And once you get to the IBC, the International Broadcast Center, first of all, you see how incredibly powerful we are at NBC. Yes. That's it. You're the gorilla, for sure. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is that there's free food, and that's awesome. <laughs> but the third thing is I've never seen so many people from so many different backgrounds agreeing in one thing, and that is sports is what unifies and is one of the biggest unifiers in the world. Now, the other thing is to see the people rooting for their, like the, the, the medal contest, the medal competitions, they're all about their countries. It's all about patriotism, patriotism to the maximum level without having to talk about politics, without having to talk about race, without having to talk about nothing. Cause there's no, let me tell you, there's no color when you're running a hundred meters, man. There's no, oh, I'm black, I'm white, no. Or when you're doing, when you're going, you know, 35 miles an hour downhill on a bicycle and you crash and somebody stops to pick you up, giving the opportunity of winning the competition. I, we saw this. This is incredible. The Olympics, I was so sad when they got canceled. I was so, so sad when they got canceled. The Olympics are, it's, I think it's the biggest unifier, it's the biggest united nations like type of of thing and i don't think any political movement or any international coalition can put together that many people in one idea the idea of representing my country but also learning from where are you from diversity it was funny to go to the parties of of the teams <coughs> when we were in rio and i keep messing with you with the parties we have to do this one day, Steve. I know. I'm getting ready to call my bosses and be like, "Hey, so Omar and I, we're gonna we're gonna work together because he goes to a lot of parties." <laughs> Anyways, the the we were going to the parties, and you will go to the Finland house, right? But then you go, you see all the Finnish, the Finnish, um, uh, Finnish uh, sports people, and then walking with the Japanese team. They don't understand a lick of what each other is saying, but they're having beers, they're having fun, they're talking right. to each other, and that's what. That's what it's all about. I got Puerto Rican, right? I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. I, I come from a town that has more cows than people. Put it this way. And I saw a Puerto Rican ping pong player getting in the podium. That's amazing. Puerto Rican ping pong. Now, um, Adriana Diaz is ranked among the first elite ping pong players in the world, including Asia, China, the whole thing from Utuado, Puerto Rico. And you can only see that at the Olympics. And then the other thing, it's like you said, the exposure to sports that don't have the, the, the media 
peripheral narrative behind them, the media, um, how would you say that? My, my ESL is horrible. My English as a second language is horrible. Uh, well, it's better than my I, Spanish as a first. So <laughs> your, your, my Spanish as a second, your English as a second is better. Well, anyways, without this, all, this whole uh, structure behind, you see, you get to see badminton, you know? You get mm -hmm. to see all sorts of, of swimming that you don't usually see. It's just great, man. And I, then... It, you know, I think it's the unifier because when, I, when you hear the stories of these athletes, yeah, regardless whether it's badminton or ping pong or swimming or track and field or what I call a prime time event that we see here in the States at certain times or, or handball, or it doesn't matter. It has taken their whole focus, their whole being. They are the best at what they do. And I think that's really what I love the most about the Olympics is that it, it's such a diverse crowd, not only in ethnicity, and culture and country, but in sports. I mean, yeah. just the diversity of a ping pong player versus a, you know, a sprinter versus a basketball player, yet they're still all Olympians. That's another yes. part of it that I love. Exactly. Look, I, I, I interview a boxer in Brazil and the story was so moving to me. I, I, I had to stop. I was like, yo, stop. I'm getting emotional and I, I hate how I, when I get emotional. So this guy lost i think two or three members of his family to political conflict yet wow. he was there he was there fighting for the flag of the country where those conflicts are happening because it's, it's bigger than that right it's it's bigger it's it's something else i had the chance to see the first gold medal for puerto rico People will say, oh, Puerto Rico is a territory of the United States. Yeah, but our political history with the United States is so vast that half of the people don't understand that we have an Olympic committee. And we won a gold medal for the first time with Monica Pui. I had to drop my microphone, take my badge, and go to the stands. I did. I told my producer, I'm off. It's the last two games. I'm going over there to chant with my people. That's spectacular. And that is what this is all about. And we can see this in NASCAR, Steve. We can. I'm telling you, the United States has seen the amount of drivers that are around the world that can make an impact in stock car racing. It's yet to come. It will come. So that's where I want to circle around. I'm talking to Omar Amador, contributor to Telemundo TV, host, reporter, as you've heard through this, cover the Olympics, NASCAR, uh, so many different things. I want to talk. It's Hispanic Heritage Month. Thank you for joining me. My question is this. I was fortunate enough to see Daniel Suarez in person to cover his Xfinity Series championship. You mentioned Carlos Contreras earlier in our conversation. Raced in the late 90s, the middle 2000s. Um, there's a list of... Oh, yeah, I love it, right? Fire suit behind you on this. We're talking over Zoom on the podcast. You, you know, we, we talk about... We've seen Juan Pablo Montoya come to NASCAR with some success and see some other international drivers. But when it talks about the, the, the premier is a championship and we saw Daniel Suarez in the Xfinity series, help me understand. I think I know what it means for NASCAR because I've been in it my whole life. I'm a NASCAR mm -hmm. fan, but I don't think I can comprehend the, the gravity, the level of the situation to, to see a Hispanic driver win the championship more than just my lens of NASCAR, right? My lens is NASCAR. You, I think, have the ability to see it through multiple lenses. Help me understand just the, the, the enormity of that success. My wife was sitting next to me 
at the suite, at the NASCAR suite that they were so kind to let me sit down and watch that race. And I was sitting next to Jose Sabates, who was actually the lobbyist, or one of the lobbyists that worked to make that deal with Toyota and Aries and the whole thing happen. And they, and I told my wife, I said, honey, you don't understand what's going on. Not because of the sport, she knows the sport, but because the relevancy of this. Mm -hmm. said, what do you mean? Whoever thought that a NASCAR track was only for a domestic driver to win was wrong. It, it literally, it was like, wake up, right. smell the coffee. A lot of other people, that's the first thing. And the second thing is, I've lived my moments around the track, you know? Sometimes you, you see individuals that don't carry the same vision that we carry and, and they say stuff and you just brush them off and you walk out. But that was like, you know what? Because now we earn, a, now it's not just an if, no. It's a fact. And this is no cheap series either. The Xfinity series is an expensive series. You need to, you need to bring money. And that's another factor that was so critical and so neurological for this, for this, uh, 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 for the, for the sport. Right. That from Latin America, we can come up with money to fund this and to make this happen. Or the intentions of advertisers will lead to say, listen, Hispanic drivers are good. They're very proficient. Here, there's some money. I'm going to back you up. It just opened up a tremendous amount of things. And it, I was impressed with the fact that the next buzz wasn't that big. I, I, I got to be honest. I wanted more. I mm -hmm. wanted more exposure. I wanted, look, I respect our team. I respect, I wanted to see more love to right. Danny for that, mm -hmm. for that. And I th I'll be honest, so I'm going to jump in there. I think that's something I talk about 2020 and a, and a year of knowledge. I think these are the conversations that help me uh, because as a commentator, you this is all the time, you know, they have their opinions, but as talent, maybe we should do this, or maybe we're not covering this enough. And I'm going to be the first guy to raise my hand, the ability to talk on the little talk back to production and say, Hey, why don't we cover this battle or this race or this person? And these are the conversations. And this is one of the reasons I'm very thankful you joined me today. You know, as I become smarter, general statement, right? If you want to talk about tire wear or, or fuel mileage, eh, I got you. That's what I've done my whole life. But that my job is so much more than that. You know, NBC is about telling stories. We're a storytelling company. And as I learn other people's stories, a better broadcaster, because then I have a wider lens, a wider ability to see what someone may like. You know, whether it's when I'm covering a race, my responsibility is to cover it to you, to your wife, to my son, to his grandfather, to, you know, to people in, in the West Coast, to people in the North, people, wherever that's broadcast to, it's my responsibility to cover to. And the, the more relationships like this is the reason I started the podcast, the more conversations I had, um, you know, the better I become at my job. So that's why I asked you to me, like I. I didn't really know. I had to hear you explain it to me to really understand it. Look, I remember when Daniel Suarez hasn't, haven't even, he was still in ARCA, still running ARCA. 
and we went to do some stuff in North Carolina and my producer said, um, let's go have lunch with this NASCAR driver that we're following, uh, Daniel Suarez. I said, yeah, yeah, I know Danny. Danny just won the championship uh, in Mexico and he wants to make, so let's go. And we went to have lunch with Danny. And I still remember like it was yesterday, how this young guy with this eyes like this was so excited that we were taking interest in his story. Right. And he told us all about it, about grabbing his truck and driving to, to North Carolina to do his thing. And actually his Volkswagen Beetle and, and doing this whole thing. But during that time, there was this driver that was Herman Quiroga. And, and Herman, I'm pretty sure he'll listen to this. And a lot of people might not like what I'm going to say. Herman had more experience in NASCAR higher series than Danny, a lot more. Herman was working with trucks. That year, he had the best finish in Canada. Uh, I, I believe he was battling Crafton, uh, if I'm not wrong. And it was standing finish. And he had five times the championships that Danny had in the Mexico series. But due to support, nothing happened to Herman due to personalities, due to many factors that you want to work against you or in your favor behind the scenes in NASCAR. But I told, I told my producer, I said, but you know what the good thing about this kid is? There is no vices here. Yeah. There is no predisposed ideas of how this works. So he will go and drive the damn thing without having to be thinking about all the minutia that happens behind. And I tell, I, I tell my producer, Jaime Gutierrez, um, I said, this kid is not supposed to be getting the seat he's going to get, but he'll do good. Well, and he did. I mean, and there's no did. doubt he did. I mean, he delivered. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. He's one of the names, of, you know, a huge silly season this year in NASCAR. How uh, many contracts going? And what's your take on this whole on this whole thing that happened with, you know, getting out of Hendrick, uh, um, uh, Stuart Haas, and then going to this new team? What's your take on this? What is it, is it good for his career? What's happening? So I think that you know I'm of the opinion that that Daniel Suarez. One thing you have to be careful of is when you're very young, regardless of your ability, you have a, a big uphill learning. We mm -hmm. saw with Joey Logano, he got in the 20 car and he only won a couple of races and then he had to go to Penske and mature to have success. That's the same way with Daniel Suarez. He had success at the Xfinity level. He won a championship. <clears throat> and I almost wish he didn't get such a great shot when he went to cup to begin with, because I think that regardless of your equipment, you have to learn the series. The best thing I heard yet is I asked, I think it was Cole Custer. I may be wrong. I said, well, the cup series is like the deep end of the swimming pool. And Cole Custer said, no, 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 no. The deep end of the swimming pool, you at least know which way the, the, the shallow end is. He said, the cup series is like the middle of the ocean. You don't know where to swim. Everywhere you turn, there's sharks. People are, you know. So I look at it that for, for Daniel. I hope he gets an opportunity now that he has all of these starts under his belt to kind of reinvent his career because I think he's a better race car driver now than he was when he first got his shot. Uh, now, will that happen? I don't know because the business of NASCAR. But I will say the MJ announcement, the new car coming in 22, 
the new schedule coming out hopefully this week from NASCAR. There's a lot of positives around NASCAR, and I think it's going to bring fresh ownership, and I think fresh ownership is the answer for someone like Daniel. You think it's, it's not going to be only one car. I can see that. Oh, I think that in, in a couple of years, the, mo the model is going to be two-car teams, and two-car teams drives opportunity for everybody. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun. Listen, so Omar, real quick, we've talked about everything you've done. What's, what's on the horizon? What are you currently in? Promote what you're working on. Go ahead. Right now, I'm working at uh, uh, Telemundo, uh, Boxeo Telemundo. I, I'm doing the, the ring reporter there. I'm covering boxing for Telemundo, which is one of the highest ratings boxing shows, whether it's a Spanish or English in the United States. We're about to open this, this uh, next Friday, uh, our second closing season, fourth season of the year. Um, sorry, producers, if I'm butchering this. <laughs> I butcher it but, all. It's uh, fine. That's yeah, why they don't let me promo anything, because I mess it all up. But yeah, I like it. I always mess it up. But yeah, I'm about to go to Orlando. We have a bubble there where we're doing, uh, we're doing some fights. Uh, we are we're preparing for Olympics for next year. Um, and if you want to see my stories and interviews with, you know, artists, singers, because I do entertainment in Titulares y Más, which is our late night show. So I'm, I'm, I'm working in a little bit of everything. I, I do a little bit of, of, of everything. You know, I'm a, I'm a hustler of the profession, I guess. <laughs> I love I it. I love it. Well, Omar, listen, the only deal, first of all, I want to thank you for joining me. Um, my Spanish is non-existent. So the next party you go to where you can take a uh, North Carolina English speaking NASCAR kid. I'm all about it because you know, you can, you can help me navigate the waters of all these awesome parties you apparently go to. Uh, I really appreciate your time today. Um, I, I I've learned a lot. I've enjoyed it. Hopefully we're going to run into each other at some races in the future. The, the boxing stuff. I, I think it's great. Um, I love that you're a hustler of the TV world, right? Entertainment sports. That's what it's all about. I mean, it's the same thing. It's entertainment, right? Our job is to talk and let people have fun listening. You're the first person at this level that you that you have because it's, it's an outstanding honor to be in front of you. But you're the first person that treats sports in the sense of entertainment the way like the way it should be. Because at the end of the day, there's no need to end up fighting or arguing over sports. It's good to debate and it's good to have differences. But it, we like the sport, you know. You you like you like racing. I love racing, you know. I, it's 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 all it is and it's a lifestyle and it, and it's all that but uh but i want to tell the people that listen to you that um nascar is changing for good nascar is not changing for bad to all those guys that are listening to 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 your podcast to your beautiful podcast all around the united states um by all means nor the blacks or the hispanics or the foreigners europeans are trying to take away the sport all they're trying to do is prove themselves in the best league and the best stock car league in the world is here and i think it's only but fair that the fans get that openness from the company and say listen we want to see the best talent from around the world we live in a global era and social media is 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 huge and i think that those guys look there's fan there's fan clubs there's nascar fan clubs in argentina Brazil and hardcore fan clubs. Like I read these people and I, there is kids over there that know 20 times more than I know about NASCAR, you know, and I get paid for it and they don't. So if we, if, if we just open our minds and open our, our cultural eyes, I could tell you this for a fact, there is no major difference between a hardcore Appalachian redneck party 
and a Puerto Rican center of the mountain party. At the end of the day, we're going to use barrels to make barbecues. We're going to burn stuff in a, in, in a rim. We're going to do inflatable pools like there's no tomorrow. We're going to think that it's an Olympic pool. We love our RVs. We love our outdoors, hunting, fishing, all that. So we think we are very different. We're not. And I think sports is the avenue to unite us all. I think NASCAR, I don't think, I know with confidence that NASCAR is the premier stock car racing series in the world. And to be the premier series in the world, I love every level of inclusion we can add because I want everyone to be there, not only to compete, to work. Maybe you're an engineer, maybe you're a mechanic, um, maybe you're a race car driver, maybe you're just a fan. Either way, I want you to come. I want you to disagree with the guy sitting next to you about who's going to win. I want you to have a favorite. I want you to think this guy's favorite's no good because that's what sports are going to be. It's a miracle this podcast got packed the fact that you like the heat and they eliminated my Celtics. It was a miracle we kept going, but we did. We somehow got through it, and it has been great. This has been another episode of Latart on location. Omar Amador from Telemundo, thank you for your time. It has been a blast. As always, guys, review, rate, and subscribe. Get this podcast where you get any of your podcasts. It has been a fun one. Omar, down the road, we're going to run into each other. We're going to share a drink and watch some sports. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate your time. All right. It's been a great one, guys. Rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks.